0: The Conservative Conscience. And welcome back to your beacon of independent conservative thought here at The Conservative Conscience on Westwood One's Podcast Network. And this is Daniel Hurwitz back in the house for our new week, the last full week in September here. It's actually Sunday. I usually uh, record our first show on Monday. I'm going to be out Monday to start off the week. But also, I just bumped into a friend on the street in my neighborhood good friend, friendly conversation, and it just really riled me up. That and the Cleveland Browns victory and the ridiculous Values Voters Summit, which is devoid of any values anymore, along with what's going on with Kavanaugh, just got me thinking, I just need to get in front of my microphone and just let loose. Let loose for today. Had all those things tied together, we'll work them one by one. So I'm jogging... Sunday morning here, and uh, finally we get the cool air in, just nice cool air. Uh, the hot late summer is finally over. And I pass a friend of mine, and, and I'm, I'm really headed towards my house. I'm kind of busy. I don't really want to talk to anyone, but I want to be rude. And I, I say good morning, but I, I, I um, pass, uh, pass him by about 10, 15 feet. His name is Stan. And Stan turns around and he's like, "Are we getting a blue wave? You know, everyone always stops and wants to know what's going on, in politics, everything." And I'm like, "You better believe it's going to be a ruby—not uh, a ruby red, but a bright blue wave." And uh, you know, he's like, "Well, are we going to keep the Senate?" I say, "Uh, gee, how do I give over to him? Um, <laughs> you know, years worth of information on this." I said. Republicans already handed over the Senate. The Democrats already have like a 90 to 10 majority. 90 liberals. I mean, th- it, it does make a difference. Um, it was like, well, and, and this is what I hear from every kind of Republican type of voter is, well, the court. I mean, you know, is Kavanaugh going to be confirmed? I mean, that that that's gonna that makes a big difference, right? I'm like, well, actually, you no. Know, the Supreme Court hears fewer cases. Than ever before since the Civil War, and the lower courts are whacked out as, as ever, despite Trump making some picks and they're deciding most of these cases been fifty million other reasons, we're not gonna change the courts this way. But whatever. Okay, is Kavanaugh gonna be confirmed? Like, well, I think so, but the likelihood keeps dropping. And then I go on my merry way and I'm thinking, you know, this, this, is a, this is a good person. It's, it's a good conservative voter who's genuinely concerned, but they don't even know what to care about. They don't even know what's going on. I guess that's why we're here. But we need a bigger me- megaphone. We need more people doing the same thing. We don't realize the dumbing down of our expectations. It's all come to, oh, how many seats? Uh, so, like, do you realize that in between elections, we're just losing everything? So what's amazing is Republicans have managed to keep this scam going, this scam of going for three decades without a vision. We've now gone since Ronald Reagan longer than the entire life of the Whig Party without any ability to hold the line on any major issue of our time. And you only – often you don't hear about a lot of issues because we've already seated them, and now it's on to the next one. Seed it. But, oh, we have to vote Republican to fight the next one until they seed it, and then it's the next one. And everyone's always kept busy like the hamster on the spinning wheel. So the one thing that they've always kept is the, the courts, the courts, which is, which is a joke because we keep losing it. But then somehow every election, it keeps getting reset to a balance of 50-50 that if you vote Republican, everything is going to be great, and if not, not. So this is the one thing that Mitch McConnell will fight for, okay? Supreme Court justices, not congressional control over them, not fighting back on decisions. You know, I'll never forget after the Obergefell gay marriage decision when AP put out a report and they had different statements from people and said, and Mitch McConnell did not issue a statement. Can you imagine that? He didn't want to talk about it because he wasn't bothered by it, was too scared to speak out against it. Oh, but let's appoint better justices. So they have a guy, Kavanaugh, as you well know, and I'm actually going to post this in show notes, the full seven-minute clip of his back and forth with Durbin at the first day of the confirmation hearing where he fully adopts the left-wing premise on sovereignty and immigration rights to come here and demand things. And that's the issue of our time. So whatever. But this is what we're striving for. So – a, the Supreme Court is all that matters for Republican politics. And B, Kavanaugh is the golden boy. Kavanaugh is the golden boy. He's an establishment, golden boy, Mitch McConnell type of guy. And, you know, had this been, you know, more of a not inside DC type of grassroots conservative nominee, they would have tossed him overboard by now, 100%. But because he's a golden boy, and because this is the one issue that they advertise everything matters, they can't completely cave. But even then, they're not fighting. They keep giving in to this lawyer. I mean, I don't know when you're going to – you're not going to hear this until Monday when it's produced, but it's so fluid. It keeps changing. They keep giving deadlines, and they keep delaying it. Now she she says, um, this Ford lady, that she – she doesn't want to fly, so she's going to drive from California, even though they offered to go out to California. I, I mean, it's just unbelievable. Unbelievable that they're giving in to this. And what, what I'm trying to tell you is this is the issue that they glorify. I mean, if there's one issue they're going to stand and hold the line, up. it's going to be this. And for a guy like Kavanaugh. And yet... They're not doing it, and, and the funny thing is that th- this was late Friday evening. They decided to cave last week, hours after Mitch McConnell stood there at the annual Values Voter Summit, which used to be a gathering of people that actually fought for traditional values. And instead, it's all judicial nominees now. Not stripping the courts of power, not fighting transgenderism in the military, not even defunding Planned Parenthood, not fighting homo fascism and religious liberty problems in the budget. Literally, we have a budget right now where they're signing off on it. These very people speaking at this event voted for it and they're like, you know, received as hero, they get a hero's welcome. And Mitch is like, I will tell you one thing. You saw the fight, and you saw the tactics and the antics, but we will get Kavanaugh confirmed. And then he caves. So at this point, I don't even know if they're going to hold the line on that. I mean, how much longer are we going to do this? Really? How much longer... Are we going to do this? How much longer are we going to claim that putting more establishment guys on a Supreme Court bench is somehow going to change the rigged legal system of a hundred years? That you know they 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 just worked for themselves. But we don't we don't have people telling our base this. We still have people in this country that believe in what we believe in. But we don't have a leadership leading them in the right direction. We have a conservative movement that's as auspicious in their supposed goals as the Cleveland Browns are in winning the Super Bowl. I was just taken aback. I couldn't believe it that social conservative gatherings now are just establishment cesspools. There are no social conservatives left. But then again, there are no fiscal conservatives left. I mean, forget about cutting spending. No one expects that. We're not, we're, we're failing to merely hold the current Obama levels I mean we've blown through them by now, but I mean I'm saying the first year of the Trump administration to just hold those levels I, I don't know what to say and we certainly don't have national security ones that understand security I mean for those of us that for those of you who um listen to our foreign policy Friday series you'll you'll, you'll be fully aware of that there's certainly no narrative on that so um I just I just don't get it. I just don't get it. Just really pains me when I actually, you know, cuz I'm I'm in my own bubble sometimes and it's interesting when you actually just speak to an average Joe that's kind of interested but doesn't really know the nitty-gritty of what's going on and wants to know and it's just interesting to see what your average Republican voter understands and what type of information seeps down to them I don't think it has to be this way I mean I think you know if if we actually had a real movement we could start a new party we could start one the only reason we can't start a new party is because there's too much money to be made in the status quo for all the people that complain about things. They just use that as a way to get on TV. See, I have no interest in growing beyond where I am now in terms of just salary. I'm thankful for the organization we have. I'm thankful for the job I have, for the platform I have. And I just have no desire to become wealthy. This world's temporary. Um, I love my wife, my kids too much. I kind of, you know, I'm kind of TV shy. I I don't like it, I get nervous. I don't desire to have my face everywhere. I mean, my dream would be to just have someone to implement a lot of my ideas and I could just privately help them out with that. I have no desire to be this flash in the pan, you know, all these people that just wanna proverbially take their clothes off you know just look at me look at me and you know try to ride the the latest wave to get publicity i want to make a difference so the minute i'm seeing i'm not making a difference that what we're all doing is not working you know i feel no fulfillment in that i'm proud of the work we've done here at conservative review um The work we've done here on this program, our listeners, the the great feedback and ideas I get from some of you, we've given a full vision on fiscal, social, national security, immigration issues, understanding, allowing for the change in education and demographics and that we're not the country we we once were, not everyone's as conservative as this audience, and we're not going to implement everything we want. We kind of have – Different tier of ideas. Well, this would be the ideal. Here here would be transformative, but maybe not as good, but still achievable. We, we, we've done this already. Maybe I need to write another book. I don't know. I don't know if it would do much. Let me know if you have any ideas for that, if there's something you would want to see you know, compiled in a book. I feel we're, we're losing what it means to apply the principles we supposedly believe in a very specific way to the challenges of our time. We don't have that anymore. We just don't. The thing is, Republicans have become, for conservatism, what the prophet Haggai described to the Israelites. I mean, this is Haggai 1.6. One of my favorite verses just to describe what's going on. You have planted much but harvested little. You eat but never have enough. You drink but never have your fill. You put on clothes but are not not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Okay? I mean, that is what is going on here with the GOP. And with that, I want to get to the Cleveland Browns. So I wanted to give you guys a set of analogies, football analogies, to bring out the point that's been bothering me for so long. Just what I feel most of my colleagues, so many people in this business who are twice my age and have been doing this for so long and have been going for so long and losing, losing. When I say losing, I mean Losing on policy, what we ultimately want to change, the fiscal, social security national security issues that we want dealt with um, the way our system of government should be running. If you look at any objective analysis of where we are over the course of several decades, and despite my age, I've been following this stuff since the 94 elections. and you know, I have a pretty good political barometer as to where is the equilibrium? Where are we moving the ball forward? Where are they moving it forward? And if you look at every single measure, dependency, social values, forget it. We're in the toilet. The immigration trends, So even when you have these ephemeral, temporary, well, we we halted them from going a little bit further at this pass than they wanted to go, fundamentally we're losing it. So I wanted to give some football analogies for this. And this is where the Cleveland Browns come in. So the Cleveland Browns finally won a game. And, you know, if you focus just on the news cycle from late last week, You'd think the Cleveland Browns were doing really good. Wow, in the second half of the game, they really took it to the Jets. Wow, that was, they they won, they're doing great. If you didn't have any background. But then, broadly speaking, if you had a broad background and you weren't just following it for that moment and getting caught up in the moment, you'd realize, no, I mean, the Cleveland Browns, as a franchise, is, is the biggest dumpster fire in NFL history. There's just nothing doing there it's pathetic. So it was a big deal that it was the first time they won a game since um what is it? Since uh December 2016. You know, they went the entire season last year losing every single game. Um and this year they come out and uh they win the second game of the season after losing the first one. But, you know, if you would look broadly, you would know this is a problematic team. So this is our first analogy. If your goal is to win the Super Bowl, right, if that is your goal, or at least to be legitimate, get in the playoffs, you wouldn't be playing for the Cleveland Browns. You're just not going to be doing it. Now, if you continue playing for the Cleveland Browns, you might— want to play football. You might enjoy playing the game as an end to itself. And and that's fine. But clearly your goal is not to win the Super Bowl. Right? They, they they were 0 for 16 last year. They were 1 for 15 in 2016. They were 3 for 13 the year before, 7 and 9. um, The year before, 4 and 12, 5 and 11, 4 and 12, 5 and 11, 5 and 11, 4 and 12. You really have to go back to 2007 when they were ten and six, I guess they I don't even think they made it to the playoffs, actually. Um, then you go back before they were 4 12 six and ten, four and twelve, five and eleven. You have to go back to two thousand and two. Um, when they got they were nine and seven, they got into a wild card game and lost to the Steelers. But you go back again, even before that, seven and nine, three and thirteen, two and fourteen. Then, you know, they were abolished for three years in the nineties, five and eleven you really have to go back to 94 when they were 11 and five. Um, But even then it's really, you have to go back to the eighties where they had several years where they are contenders and they, um, you know, won divisional playoffs and things like that. So you look at, I mean, it's done. It's, I mean, this is a two generations worth of Cleveland Browns. There's nothing doing. Now, While enjoying the game playing as an end to itself, you might block a pass, block a running play from the other side, slow their progress. Instead of the other side winning the game 30 to nothing, they'll win 20 to five, you know, whatever it is. And even once in a blue moon, you might even win a game. But broadly speaking, you're not getting anywhere. You're losing, the other side's winning. But, you know, if you want to enjoy the game, if that's just you, – you like playing football, so then, well, it serves a purpose. That's where the conservative movement is like the Cleveland Browns. We're not getting anything on any issue in a meaningful way. They enjoy commentating if you're a commentator. They enjoy being elected official until they lose if you're an elected Republican. If you own some sort of organization or work for some sort of organization, you collect a paycheck. It's a way of earning a living. It doesn't bother you that much that we're losing. Now, how are they so fooled into thinking that, oh, there's these victories, where we're making progress. Why is there so much political morphine that... Numbs and dulls the senses, dulls the hearts and minds of our colleagues in this business that they just don't get it, that they're not even focused on the budget betrayals, the immigration betrayals, the social issue betrayals, that no one's even – I mean, the left is winning 50-year cultural battles in the culture codified into law, codified by the courts, and no one's even – saying boo, forced gay adoptions, transgender in the military. There's no one fighting this. You know, you had – it was amazing. I was watching the um, Values Voters Summit, and I remember from 10, 15 years ago, even, even more like five, six, seven years ago, there were issues. Here it's all get Mitch McConnell and all the establishment Republicans on stage, and we need to win more. Oh, Republicans have to win. We need to pray to God that Republicans win and – uh It was all about the courts, not fighting judicial supremacism, but getting Kavanaugh on the court. Meanwhile, no one wants to point to the fact that Kavanaugh literally said during confirmation hearings that he believes illegal aliens have rights to assert here. And he disagrees with Karen Henderson's dissent in the Garza case, which is fundamental. It's it's literally the most fundamental issue. If you can't hold the line – on existing precedent, which is good on immigration, but the lower courts are uprooting. So certainly, you're not going to uproot existing dead precedent. But they're so th- th- their their senses are dull. I was like, dude, do you guys realize that th- that we're literally? I mean, there's one thing: if it happened already, so it's happened. But we're we're right at the cusp. You could still influence the debate. The Senate passed the bill, signing off on an entire year's budget. That funds Planned Parenthood and forces Catholic adoption agencies and others to place uh, kids of no fault of their own into gay couple homes in place of parents. And the House didn't pass yet. There wasn't a single mention of it. Even Trump was trying to stop the transgenderism in the military. You have the court nonsense. And they're not even talking about it. They're not even, you know, you don't have to wait for the courts or to even do what I want to do, strip the courts of jurisdiction. You could simply have a rider on the defense budget bill, which is part of the Cromnibus, you know, they stuck defense with HHS and labor and education, could put a rider on there blocking it. Make a fight over that. I was the only one calling for that. Are there any social conservatives left? It is unbelievable. So the analogy you have to give for this is kind of a modified football analogy. It doesn't exist. But the analogy I would say is you have a field that's a hundred yards and one side starts from their one one yard line, and the Democrats have control of the ball, and they pretty much worked it that they always have control of the ball no matter what. And they always have an unlimited number of tries. There aren't four downs. And we're like, oh my gosh, we cannot let them get to the 20-yard. Could you imagine if they get to the 20-yard line? And again, bear with me for my analogy. Unlike real football, where you don't really gain anything until you actually score, here, every yard you take, it has some sort of power and benefit to it and some sort of change agent brought with it. So like, oh my God, if they get to their 20-yard line, right now they're at their one, we're, we're, our goose is cooked. We got to fight. And they wind up getting there. Like, they can't get to the 30. We have to stop it. They get to the 30, 40, 50, and they march the ball. there. They're 80 yards down. So, what happens is now the, it looks like they're going to make a running play. Like, oh my gosh, we got it. Everything revolves around this. Now, anyone with a brain would look broadly not like a frog in, a, in boiling water and say, wait a minute. Broadly speaking, you always have the ball. You have as many tries as you want. Look at how much yardage you already got, and we're so desensitized by how much you've already changed on any issue. But nonetheless, there still is some legitimacy to, well, well, this play is, matters a lot now, right? And this is how the scam keeps going on. Because in some narrow point, there's always going to be a battle at hand right now meaning they already got 80 yards. So that's out of sight, out of mind. They got it. They got it for free. Um, There's never any threat of losing it. So they're always going to want to push more. So it always looks like, well, oh, well, they want more. Maybe we could stop them. And look, we're kind of even successfully maybe stopping this play. But broadly speaking, you're losing. And broadly speaking, you already lost. And broadly speaking, they're going to get further anyway at some point. But in the here and now, Everything that matters is what is saturated on social media for that time. You know, because because we've emboldened them so much, they'll want to go for more. Let's ban heterosexual marriage. That will be the new fight. Meaning we're always on to the next thing that we've we don't even care about the previous things. Reagan was still litigating the case against the great the entire premise and foundation of the Great Society as late as his waning days in office at at the, really, the 88 convention for George H.W. Bush. And um, I'm not even, none of us, including myself, are even thinking down those lines. But at least I'm proud of the work we've done here, that we have some sort of vision, even with the transformed society, on the issues we feel we can win on. But there, there, there is no vision. The left is always marching on, so they're always like, oh, we have to stop this. We have to stop the next election, the next – like, if you look objectively, the only issues that we've moved the ball on are taxes and guns. Every other issue we've lost. Immigration, the trends are insane. What they've accomplished the last number of decades, immutable. Millions of new Democrat voters – Completely, just changing our culture beyond recognition. You look at fiscally the the spending. I mean, during Obama's first few years, we were like shocked. What happened? And now we're thirty three percent higher in debt than there. The dependency numbers. The 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 size of government the, the market distortions every single issue healthcare dumpster fire beyond belief then you then you go to the social issues it's not even social anymore there's nothing religious about it you uh, we're just fighting for like x and y chromosomes like that a man is not literally a woman in all its senses and even if you have a gay marriage but it's not like 100% the same as biologically having a mother and a father no Nothing they will, religious liberty, Oh, the courts will save us. (laughs) There's nothing left that our side is willing to fight for. There's nothing they aspire to. Because they're so caught up in every last nuance of the here and now, they can't see the bigger picture. That's why their expectations out of GOP control have become so pathetically low. Well, at least the Democrats aren't in charge. At least... Yeah, but th- th- that that that's a that's a BS measure. The only way you could be happy with this is if you're happy to play the game of politics as an end to itself. I for one find it miserable. I don't like it if I can't have some sort of po- po- positive influence. It, 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 the expectations are So low. And even on taxes and guns. So guns, almost all of it, really all of it, is really on a state level. And now we're basically on the cusp of reversing all that. We thought that we'd finally make some federal, you know, federal right to carry. Now we've allowed them to define the narrative on these shootings rather than making it about criminal justice and letting the criminals out of jail and refusing to lock up dangerous juveniles, we could have totally hung Parkland on criminal justice deform. But instead, our side supports it. And that's another thing. You want to talk about progress? That was one issue in the 90s we made so much progress on. And now we've reversed it with interest and have adopted everything the left ever wanted to do but couldn't do, and now Republicans and even conservatives are doing it for the left. You want to talk about yardage there? Wow. And then you go to taxes, it's like you know, at some point, it's actually counterproductive. You're seeing the polling isn't even that good on that, and and I warned about this all last year. I said this is not the issue of our time, because thanks to the Reagan and Bush taxes, we've already succeeded in dropping the tax rates so low for so that everyone but the real wealthy don't really pay that much. So what happens is they don't they don't see it anymore. We're a victim of our own success, and I would argue, look. I'm all for lowering taxes, but I'm just saying to a certain extent it's hurt us. It's hurt us when it's when mixed with the growth of government. We we have low tax rate socialism in this country, because it's just serviced on debt, unlike Europe. So it actually hurts us. Meaning, I would argue that, and I've said this before that the socialism on healthcare, the market distortions, the regulations, I don't mean the little ones, the 11th hour regulations that Trump stopped from Obama. I mean the enduring ones that we haven't gotten rid of are more odious than any tax rate. And I would argue that if you're gonna have all that big government, it's actually, there's a there's a case to be made that it might be better to have the taxes so the the stupid people have skin in the game And maybe they're like, oh, I don't want to do this. But the left is smart. They'll only raise it on a small number of people. They've grown smart. See, back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, you know, this is when um, a guy like uh, Mondale would get up there at the convention and say, I'm going to tax their asses off. And he meant pretty much everyone. But they got smart. They They knew that was a losing issue. So now, basically, with just taxing the real wealthy, many of whom are liberal anyway, and debt servicing, they could do everything they want without it. And then you don't suffer the reprisal. You don't make people make decisions like, hey, do I really want this if it's costing me this much? So we've actually politically – we again, I'm for lower taxes, but it's got to be as part of a broader philosophy. If you're going to agree to socialism except I want lower taxes, politically it's actually the worst possible outcome. That's where we are. But it doesn't have to be this way. We've concocted ideas on healthcare and had to message them, on immigration, had to message them, on national security, on the drug crisis. We could have a narrative on crime. You know, t- talk about national security. Talk about a lost decade of conservatism. Think about this. And I said this on the 9-11 anniversary show, the 17th anniversary, um, last you know, two weeks ago. After 9-11, we had an opportunity to finally end political correctness on immigration, on the Muslim Brotherhood, on you know, all the connections that the 9-11 hijackers had with the mosques and the networks in our own country, not in Afghanistan, in our own country. And instead, we blew it. We invested. A decade – now two decades of conservative capital on falling on the sword of Islamic sectarian civil wars, of delivering Iraq into the hands of Iran, of fighting everyone except for Iran. And now we know. Now there's tons of evidence, by the way. You can just Google it. Um, Iran is harboring al-Qaeda, so it's not just Hezbollah and the Shia terrorism. They, they also, at the end of the day – For the purpose of attacking America, they make peace with the people that they'll fight in other theaters. It was all about immigration, Muslim Brotherhood in America, and to the extent you want to talk about foreign policy, Iran is the only country that has the tools of statecraft and the money to back terrorism. And we ignored it, and we actually empowered them, and we lost in 2006 and 2008 largely because of the Iraq War when we could have spent all that time investing the capital into promoting sane immigration, which would have resonated with the public and would have given us permanent majorities. Not permanent, again, you, there's no, no, no such thing as permanence in politics, but you know, we would have gone the other way. No one's thinking broadly, and this all gets back to Kavanaugh. Everything matters, right? Everything boils down to this. This is the biggest thing of the year, right? And again, once it's like that, I'm not saying, look, my opinion is until and unless they could come up with a smoking gun, this is BS, and just hold the freaking vote. But they're not even doing that anyway. But what I'm saying is, so so what if he gets on the court? We had a former Scalia clerk, Professor Fitzpatrick from Vanderbilt uh, Law School on, on the show, agreeing with me that because of the way the left has teed up the rules – The precedents, the culture, the lower courts, and the conservatism of Roberts. And when I say conservative, I mean – I don't mean in in the traditional sense. I mean literally the tepid list, meaning very leery of getting involved in overturning lower courts categorically. It's not going to matter that much. And yet, on the major issues, we don't even have commitments from him. For all this, I mean, at least nominate – A Clarence Thomas, if you're going to have this. If you're going to have an Anita Hill, at least have a Clarence Thomas. But what the hell is the purpose of having an Anita Hill fight over an Anthony Kennedy? Or maybe a John Roberts? Maybe even better than that. But on immigration, I think he's worse, actually. And that's the most important issue in the courts now. I mean, you can't recover... From that. You cannot recover from codifying a right to immigrate and a right to come here and demand things. You can't you have no sovereignty, there's nothing left. So um I, I, I just don't know what to tell you. We don't get it. You know, one of the things the <clears throat> house plans to vote on this week is a non-binding resolution condemning localities that allow non-citizens to vote. So when you're dealing with live ammo, which is the budget bill, you actually stick in Democrat riders when they don't have any power and none of your riders. What would such a rider be? Cutting off funding to localities that have non-citizens vote tweaking motor voter, requiring localities through the motor voter laws use E-Verify to check um, that that would at least weed out illegal immigrants. But nothing. Not counting illegals in the census. Right? Because that's how they vote without even voting. People forget about that. California gets four to six Extra seats and electoral votes in presidential election, With even, even if they wouldn't cast a single ballot just by their presence here. But instead, they'll give the Democrats what they want on binding, but on non-binding resolutions, they'll signal the right thing. We're just not getting it, but it just pains me when I see it, the Values Voters Summit, they don't even have an agenda anymore. It just... Let's pray to vote Republican. And that's, that's another thing. I, w- I want to I make something very clear to you guys here. I am not telling you guys not to vote for any Republican in a general election, whatever state you're in. Even the worst of them. You want to vote for, you know, Susan Collins. I forget if she's in cycle or not. Vote, vote for, I, I don't care. It's when that's all you do. What are you going to do the day after? Okay, so you're, you're you're going to vote for them, but there's not enough of us anyway. You're going to get crushed. Okay, we're going to, you're going to get crushed. Then what? Meaning, if you're with me, if we have a movement doing what I'm doing, focusing on all the policy outcomes and the strategic outcomes for all the issues, every day, every hour of the day, for the, between the elections, focusing on the primaries to get the best guys in every seat. Concurrently, focusing on a long-term plan of breaking off and working with the Freedom Caucus, I I've already had this blueprint of this um middle ground of running on the Republican ballot, but operating in a number of ways as a new party and all but name only and distinguishing yourselves. Then I could respect the view that, okay, but then once November 7th comes... It's not even November 7th anymore. There's already voting (laughs) for, for the general election. Unbelievable. We now have election month or more, not election day. But I can understand, okay, we've done everything we can. We succeeded on these policies. We didn't succeed here. We fought on these primaries. We won here. We didn't win here. This is what we have. Here's our blueprint to do better next time. But we have the Republicans we have. Okay, vote Republican. I'm not debating that. Do it. But there's a third option to not voting or voting Republican, and it's doing all the things I said. Actually having a movement that builds a grassroots on policy solutions and communications and messaging on it, putting out information, proposals. What is it we want to do? What is it we're seeking? What is it we are seeking? That's what I tweeted at the Values uh, Voter Summit. What is it you want? What is it you believe in? Because I could tell you the left is succeeding. We are we have Republicans in charge codifying policies that would have shocked the consciousness of people at the Values Voter Summit a decade ago and now they're all okay with it. So, you know, Steve days tweeted back at me who was like Oh, what we strive for is, one, owning the libs, two, selling books and selling out conferences, three, cable news exposure, and four, direct fundraising dollars. (laughs) Jeez. You know, and and meanwhile, you know, you look at, um, there's news today that the NRCC pulled out their ad buys from the Pittsburgh media market, which is Keith Rothfuss' district that's Connor Lamb is the new democrat you know running against him so if you can't even hold a district even to have a fighting chance with 45 days or so out in a western pennsylvania district you know we're losing a lot of like college educated whites but this is you know a lot of blue collar which is the growing base if you can't even win that you're done the over under on the house is not losing 25 seats it's losing 60 to 80 seats And you know what's so tragic about that? So we're gonna, it's not just rhinos. Like Ted Budd, good guy from North Carolina, he's losing. Um, Rod Bloom. Now that to begin with was a kind of marginal swing district in Iowa. He's getting crushed by like thirteen points, and in that very poll, the tariffs are so unpopular. Because obviously the tariffs hurt the Iowa farmers. But here's the tragedy. Why am I juxtaposing Pennsylvania to, Ohio- to Iowa? So at least if we're going to do the wrong thing on tariffs, you'd say at least we benefit from it politically. Okay, should we benefit at least you know in Ohio and Pennsylvania? No, we're getting crushed. We're losing – there's a pullout. We're losing the – I say we. I'm not even a Republican, but the Republicans are losing it. The governor's race by 20 points. Same thing in Michigan. Those are all the toss-up states that actually we've been winning more recently. Yet we're losing in California type of numbers. 20 points is what you lose in California. When you lose in these states, you lose by five, but you lose by three. And for what? For what? And meanwhile, all our people are numb thinking we're winning, so they're not even alert to try to at least do something. See, I don't care. To me... I'm worried about the entire playing field, what we've already lost and what we will lose. I'm not just worried about this one running play uh, right before us, which is the November election. But if that is your cup of tea, then you should agree with me that we need to pull out all the stops to use our last opportunity to change the trajectory. But if, but if you're going to lie to yourself and say you're winning it, well, then you're not going to see a need to do it. And then screw you. I mean, that's your fault if you lose then. Just so dumb. So so dumb. I just I just don't get it. What is it we want? What are we seeking? Because here is how I ultimately see this playing out. Ultimately, Republicans are going to lose to some degree. Um and remember, when they lose, it's not just losing the House, who knows what happens in the Senate, but they will lose a significant number of uh, governorships, state legislatures, and thereby losing redistricting for an entire decade at least. And keep in mind, the courts won't be there to save conservatives, Republicans, from legitimate gerrymandering the way they're there to save the Democrats from you know just basic map drawing that's not even always gerrymandered. And whether it's now, whether it's later, whether it's you know, it takes another two years and Democrats win another election. In other words, I'm not sure if they would win the presidential election too. Who knows? Nobody could game that out yet. But at some point they're gonna get in there, and I'm not worried about Democrats taking over forever. Although, you know, that, that window is closing in in terms of electoral viability because of the demographics. We are going to talk about that hopefully later this week, the immigration trends. I really want to get into that in a separate podcast. But generally speaking, what has given me optimism, I said this on Mark Levin's TV show. I said this, I've actually written this in Steve Dace's upcoming book. Uh, He offered a slot for a couple of his friends to kind of write their thoughts and to answer a couple of his questions. And I... I do have optimism in me for all my pessimism in that the Democrats will offer us that opportunity. They're going to be so radical, they will fall out of favor with the voters even quicker than Republicans did. There will be another chance. But the question is, then what? What is it we want are we gonna keep having the same phony Republicans? You know, let's say the Democrats get into power. So last time they took over healthcare. This time, let's say they take over housing and education. And we'll be like, What the heck? We're gonna repeal it lock a root and branch of a Rich McConnell, a repeal of a root and branch. Okay. So what happens is every Republican sounds like us. See, when they're in the minority, it doesn't cost them anything to sound righteous because talk is cheap. So they're indistinguishable from us. So every Republican running for House and Senate and governor and whatever in 2020, 2022, whatever it will be, will sound like us. Now, who wins the primaries? 99 out of 100 times, it's the guy with the most money to say – Oh, the Democrats are horrible. Oh, I'm going to repeal it. Um, we need to limit government, whatever. Now, 95 out of 100 times, who is that guy? That guy is the biggest puke. <laughs> Meaning, this is why we can't distinguish ourselves once we're in this Republican Party. That's what I'm striving for. You know, when I say I'm at peace with the work we've done here and I'm proud of the work we've done, I don't mean that I'm done. I'm working on a lot of projects, and I think a lot of it is going to have to depend on what happens in November, to try to plan for the future. While giving you the most cutting-edge information on the issues and legislation and court cases that are coming here, I also am trying to build a long-term movement that we could actually break out of this endless orbit of this binary nonsense with the two parties that are really one – Democrats get in there, they destroy the country. Republicans then promise to change things. They get in there, more or less do the same things, take everyone off. Again and again, we need to build a movement in the long run to get out of this. So you want to vote for your Democrat politician, your Republican politician now? Fine, I'm not stopping you, but let's strive for something better. Let's strive for something better. And by the way, speaking of Democrats, one one thing I did want to mention, you know, before I forget is a little bit off topic, but I think it's very important. I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but there's this growing trend, you know, with the country being so polarized that now you have families that are against each other. Mainly the Democrats are doing this, by the way. I haven't seen Republicans do this to Democrats, but you know, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I just haven't seen it, where they actually run ads from family members. You know, let's say you have a cousin, uncle. You know, you're seeing this with Stephen Miller; they're drudging up his uncle, crazy uncle, to attack him. So Paul Gosar, who's one of the few good guys, one of the top, easily top ten conservatives in the House from Arizona, his opponent dug up four of his siblings in a video to trash him. I mean, really? It's just disgusting. You know, and Paul's mother, who said that her values are more aligned with Paul, not the other siblings, said she was just appalled by that. I mean, do we really need to do that? I mean, this is why I believe. This is why I firmly believe that nothing will change until we have this two-state solution. And as you guys well know, I believe, to me, the two most systemic changes that I would work towards to accomplish that, everything revolves around legal legalities, the courts, and money. Those are the two Jenga points to, to uproot this entire system. To me, we need to – my two ideas are to devolve the judicial jurisdiction over political issues, which shouldn't be there to begin with. It should be in the legislatures, but to the extent it's in the courts, devolve it to state judiciaries and devolve taxation to the states. For those of you who remember, you could Google it, Daniel Horowitz, Tom Ryan. He's the author of this neutral tax plan I've endorsed. That would devolve taxation to the states, and then the feds would come in at the back end and just have a flat tax on the state revenue, but would not deal directly with the people. So the states would set the amount, the type, the origin, whether it's progressive or not, it would all be up to the states. And I think that is the only way we're really going to solve things here. To me, that's the only way things are going to change because what we're doing is not working. But I just want to be clear as as down as I am I'm not you know I'm not giving up. I do think because the democrats are so radical there will be a number of other opportunities here. But um You know, we just have to remember that what we've been doing since 1988 is just aimlessly voting for the lesser of two evils. At some point, you got to move beyond that. At some point, you got to move beyond, well, do I slow this play of the left now or do I not slow it? Well, how about we find ways to strip the ball away and get control of the ball and actually start scoring some points? How about we come up with a narrative to try to push our agenda and toss grenades to the other side into their trench and, and, and do a charge like they've done to us? Why do we always have to play their game? Why do we have to do that? So uh, so anyway, there's, there's a lot more going on this week. I really do want to get to later this week. I do want to hold an immigration Show I I have three fundamental articles on immigration on trends and everything. Just one quick thing. The other big news of the day is the Trump administration, DHS, agreeing to not issue green cards to those that are likely to be a public charge. Um, For those of you who don't know, that is current law, and it's really been the laws on the books um, since the 1880s on the federal level since – the founding on the state level and really since the colonial times. So you're going to hear a lot of puffing and huffing about that. I'm going to link to in show notes, my article on public charge just so you, you're armed with the facts of our history and traditions and laws on that. And, and look, God bless Stephen Miller. God bless the guy. You know, I kind of, feel a little bit of a kinship with him we we were close back in the day fighting the gang of 8 um he's rough he's pretty close to my age he's also jewish and he's actually being attacked relentlessly by the political class um oh this is a guy who not jewish values to not want open borders and um you know obviously one one of these days i i want to write an essay on the bible Biblical values in immigration. I did a podcast on this a couple of months ago. You could dig it up, but there's a lot more to say on that. But one one thing on that that really pissed me off, um, you know, my buddy Jordan Shackdale, and we got to get him on again for Foreign Policy Friday. But those of you who are fans of those shows, you know, I usually have him on. He's our national security correspondent. So Jordan is, um, I guess, he goes to Reform Services. You know, he's Jewish. He's not. Orthodox like I am, and he has some sort of rabbi, whatever you want to call him. He was, he was just telling me about this a couple of days ago on you know the holiest day in the Jewish calendar. The guy gets up there and just talks about giving money to Syrian refugees. And I was thinking the irony, because I also see in the mail they have from – the Hebrew Immigrant Aid Society, highest, which really should be called MIAS, the Muslim Immigrant Aid Society, because they're so they're not resettling any Jews; it's Muslims that they're resettling, and they they solicit this time of year. They solicit for money, and I'm thinking, do you realize in these very institutions, these synagogues, whether they're Jewish, you know, synagogues, or, they're Jewish schools, inst- institutions, Jewish community centers. They need an insane amount of security. They didn't have any of this when I was growing up. They all need an insane amount of security because of the very policies that these losers preach from the pulpit. Where do, why do you think it's like that? Now, a certain amount of it is probably because of criminal justice reform because of the local crime, which these same people support those policies. But mainly, the reason why you have so much security you know, it's because Muslims will attack Jewish institutions. Well, where are these Muslims coming from? Are they flying um, an air force from Afghanistan? No, we let them in through immigration. Go to France and watch Holocaust survivors get killed by their neighbors who are Muslim refugees. And talk to me about compassion, buddy. So these people shame people like like Stephen Miller but good for him for pushing this. He's one of the few people that's trying to push the, you know, the, the Trump mandate. And um, he he truly is someone with a vision, someone I could relate to. But just wanted to go off on that tangent for for a moment. Anyway, I'll be out tomorrow. But um, tune in to CRTV. You're you're, you're definitely want to hear Mark Levin's take on the latest nonsense going on with the. Kavanaugh stuff that gets crazier by the day. Um, we'll see if Republicans even hold the line on the one thing that they have to hold the line on. Because the funny thing is they need the Supreme Court racket like, oh, we're, we're saving the courts as the racket to save the other rackets. In other words, they can't capitulate on Supreme Court nominees because that's the one thing that allows them to capitulate on everything else and get away with it and still get voters to vote for them. So it will be interesting to see if they're able to hold the line on that. But anyway, never forget, hey guy one six. You have planted much but harvested little. You eat but never have enough. You drink but never have your fill. You put on clothes but are not worn. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Remember that the next time we continue making these same defensive plays on the same corrupt corrupted playing field. God bless y'all. Thank you so much. This has been another episode of the Conservative Conscience.